going to have a reading from Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 to 3. The Lord had said to Abram, leave your country, your people, and your father's household, and go to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you I will curse, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Um, I I think um, a couple of things we want to look at from this reading this morning. Uh, One is my observation that uh, God is talking to Abraham, and uh, he just just decrees these things, that I am going to bless you, and I will make your name great. Uh, Abraham has not, uh, as indicated, we haven't seen indication that he's done anything to deserve or promote any of this. God has just decided uh, that he's going to make him a blessing. And and while that seems you know, maybe a little unfair, well, why Abraham? Why does he get to be blessed? But as we follow down, it says, and you will be a blessing, and I will bless those who bless you, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So, yes, God did bless Abraham, and maybe not because of any merit that was in him, but the bigger purpose was to bless millions and millions of people through Abraham, not just Abraham himself. And uh, I think we... Uh, See is fulfilled as we follow Abraham's line down to Christ, our Redeemer, that uh, the blessing of the whole world of uh, the gift of salvation uh, started with Abraham and came down Abraham's line, and uh, we are all blessed through that. So um, uh, with that, I think we'll uh, say a word of prayer this morning. Uh, we want to pray this morning for Andy and Bernadette, Helen and JJ and Andy. Uh, Heavenly Father, uh, things are just kind of difficult at times, and uh, Lord... Um, uh, they could all use your your uh, your peace, your comfort. Lord, just remember the, this family as they they struggle with with things uh, and situations daily. Lord, uh, Heavenly Father, I just thank you that you hear our prayers, that you put people in place uh, that uh, can be blessed through things that we do, prayers that we offer. Uh, Heavenly Father, you are a great God. You are in control of everything, and we know that. Lord, you sent your Son as our Redeemer as we look forward to this Passion Week uh, and the suffering that Christ went through uh, for our redemption. We're just so grateful that uh, we know you, that we can trust you, and that we know in the end that we'll spend eternity with you. Heavenly Father, bless our worship and Trey's message this morning, uh, and we just ask you to be with us all week. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Dan. <clears throat> Alrighty, good morning. Hey, uh, welcome to Grace Bible Church. If you have your Bibles with you, uh, go ahead and grab them at this time. If you don't have access to your own Bible, there should be a few Bibles in the pew back in front of you, and uh, feel free to grab one of those and turn to the book of Genesis. We have been in the midst of a series uh, entitled Simply Joseph, uh, Life Lessons from the Life of Joseph, and uh, we will continue in part five of that, uh, which I've entitled Pay It Forward. So if you have uh, your Bible, or maybe you're grabbing uh, a Bible, or maybe looking on with your neighbor, turn with me to the book of Genesis chapter 41, is where we're We are going to find ourselves today, uh, chapter 41, starting in verse 39, and we will go through the rest of the chapter, covering a little bit of the uh, same verses that we talked about last week, and then kind of wrapping up this this, uh, uh, big section in the book of Genesis. So uh, part five, pay it forward, Genesis chapter 41, starting in verse 39 is where we're going to be. If you don't have access to your own Bible, or maybe a Bible near you, uh, the text should be up on the screen. 
So uh, I trust that you're there, getting close to that. So let's do this. I'm going to ask that you pray with me one more time uh, before we dive into God's word and uh, see some life lessons from the life of Joseph. We're going to see how Joseph paid it forward and how we can do the same. So let's pray together. Father, thank you uh, for this time and for these people who have come to sit under your word. Father, we recognize what an incredible privilege it is as we hold this book in our lap. Uh, it is your holy word preserved uh, for us through the ages um, without error or blemish, and you intend to speak uh, to us here in this time period, here in this day, in this church, in Sisson Park, in this year. You have a word for us, and we've been exploring the life of this most extraordinary man. We have seen him suffer well. We have seen him go through tragedy after tragedy, heartbreak after heartbreak, uh, being sinned against multiple times, and yet through it all, he remained faithful to you. Through it all, he held on to the, to the pr- uh, prophetic and promised dream that you had given him that one day his, his family would come and bow down before him, and he held out hope against hope that you would raise him up, and that you would deliver him from these situations that were uh, nothing to do with anything that he had done wrong. And and we've seen that you did that, and you blessed him tremendously. And so I pray today, as we take a look specifically at those blessings, uh, the blessings that you showered upon this man, Joseph, and then how he paid it forward, how he took those blessings and he became a blessing, not only to his family, but quite literally to to the, the inhabited world at that time. You blessed this man, and he passed it forward. He paid it forward so that he would be a blessing to other people. And so I pray that you would help us, give us eyes to see that we might do the same. Uh, You have blessed us here in this day, here in this land, tremendously in many, many ways, and we are forever grateful. And yet, Father, we confess to you that we hoard and we uh, consume and we want more and we uh, are very stingy because we think all of these things, these blessings that you've given us are ours. And we confess to you now, even as a group, that they are not uh, ours, that you have uh, given all things to us to steward and to use for your great namesake. And so help us, help us, we pray, from the life of this man to learn how to pay it forward. It's in the name of the one whom this man's life points to, the name of the one, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who was blessed and was a blessing into all of the world, dying for our sins, living the life that we could never live, raising and being resurrected from the dead and offering salvation and eternal life to all who would come to him and trust in his free gift. Thank you, Jesus, for what you've done. And we ask it in your name and all of God's people said, amen. Uh, last week, I met with my life group, as we periodically do, and I'll, I'll use a, this brief moment as an unashamed plug. If you're not involved in a life group, we encourage you to do that. Uh, life groups here at Grace are basically a means to get to know people on a deeper and more significant level. Uh, we want you to get plugged in and involved in the life of the church, and that's one way we can do that. So I was meeting with my life group, and we are, have been going through a, a series called Gospel Revolution. And the opening illustration of the lesson that we were on, uh, the author, there used the illustration of a movie. And this movie was called Pay It Forward. Uh, have, have you seen it before? Have you seen, anybody seen it? Okay, a few of you have seen it before. Uh, the movie came out in the year 2000, so a few years ago, uh, and it starred uh, Haley Joel Osmond, who was uh, the, the young boy at the time. He's now a grown man. Uh, Kevin Spacey, 
and Helen Hunt. Uh, I recall seeing it several years ago, and I don't remember all the specifics of it, but I I remember uh, liking the movie. Well, it came out uh, in 2000, and the basic plot of the movie, if you've not seen it before, goes something like this. There is a young man, and his name is Trevor, uh, played by Haley Joel, and he is in a seventh grade social studies class, and his, his teacher of that class is Kevin Spacey. Uh, Kevin has some issues of his own. He has scarring, and he is a, a dynamic teacher, and he challenges them, his seventh grade class, to think of a plan that could change the world. And so he was challenging them to think outside of the box and to, to do something for their fellow human being. And so he challenges them to think of this plan. And, of course, the movie stars uh, little Trevor. And he begins to put his plan into action. And his plan is called the Pay It Forward plan or the Pay It Forward movement. Uh, so instead of paying a favor done to you back to the person who did it, that is paying them back, you do me good, I do you good, I pay it backwards, he came up with the idea of what he calls paying it forward. That is, when somebody do, does, does good to you, they do a good deed to you, what you do then is, is to turn and to pay it forward to three new people. So somebody is a blessing to you, and then you go out and find three new people to be a blessing to with or because of the blessing that you have received. And then as you watch the movie, I won't ruin exactly, uh, tell you all of it or ruin it hopefully too bad, but the movie then goes on to talk about how that game plan, how that pay it forward idea, uh, what, what the results were uh, both in Trevor's life and in the life of the people around him. It's a good movie if you've not seen it before. Well, this, this, this idea this pay-it-forward movement, this concept, I would suggest to you, did not begin with this movie, but it began hundreds, uh, if not thousands of years back with a promise. It began with a promise that God gave to a man named Abraham, and we saw that promise as Dan read it to us this morning in Genesis chapter 12. The promise uh, involved several things, but in part, one of the promises or part of the promise that God gave to Abraham was that God would bless him tremendously. And God, if you follow the story of Abraham, certainly did that. But God promised that he would bless Abraham tremendously. And something that I want us to see that I think Dan brought uh, brought out very, very well was that God blessed Abraham explicitly in that text and explicitly in his life so that he then could take that blessing and become a blessing to others in a sense so that he could pay it forward. So what we see is we read throughout the book of Genesis that this promise was given to Abraham and it extended to Abraham's family through what we call the patriarchs, that is the line in which the promise extended and onto the man in which we are studying the man by the name of Joseph. And so this promise extended to the life of Joseph. And what we see here as we get to this point in the story in Genesis chapter 41, the tail end of this chapter, is that these promises begin to come true. These promises begin to to come to fruition as God is going to to bless Joseph, Abraham's uh, lineage, tremendously. And then what we're going to see in the end of this chapter is that Joseph doesn't just take those blessings. He doesn't just use them for his own personal benefit, but rather he's going to take the blessing of God and he's going to pay it forward. And so what we're going to see is Joseph being blessed, followed by Joseph being a blessing. And then we're going to see some life lessons about how we can do the same, how we can take the blessings of God and learn ourselves 
to pay it forward. So if you're taking notes, uh, jotting down notes, a couple things, two basic movements in this section. Starting in verse 39 and running through verse 45, we simply see that Joseph is blessed. And so the first section, the emphasis there is that Joseph is blessed tremendously by God as he is exalted from slavery to essentially the vice president of the most powerful nation of the world. And we're going to take a look specifically at some of those blessings. So Joseph is blessed. And then secondly, Joseph is a blessing. That's the second half. Joseph is a blessing, verses 46 through 49. And then the tail end of the chapter, verses 53 through 57. And so you see the, the, the progression here. Joseph is blessed. And Joseph is a blessing. So let's jump now into that first section. If you have your Bibles, uh, turn with me to chapter 41. And we're going to start in verse 39. And what I want us to notice here in this first initial section are the tremendous blessings that God showers upon this man. Joseph is indeed blessed. And I just want to point out, if you're taking notes, four blessings. Four blessings, four ways that, that God blesses Joseph. And then we'll come back around and kind of take a look at how maybe God may be blessing us in similar ways and how we can use those blessings to be a blessing to other people. So let's, let's take a look at these four blessings that Joseph receives from the hand of God. And the first, I'll say, is authority. The first way that God blesses Joseph is by giving him authority. And we see that in verses 39 through 42. So let's jump there together. In chapter 41, verse 39 says this, Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, Since God has made all of this known to you, there is no one so discerning and wise as you. You shall be in charge of my palace, and all of my people are to submit to your orders. Only with respect to the throne will I be greater than you. In verse 41, So Pharaoh said to Joseph, I hereby put you in charge of the whole land of Egypt. And so essentially what we see happening here is that Joseph goes from slave to vice president. He is given almost unlimited authority. In fact, the only limit on the authority that he's given here is the position of Pharaoh himself. Did you notice that? Uh, Only only me, Joseph, only I will be over you and everyone else in the entire land of Egypt, the most powerful nation in the world, will be under your authority. That would be life. in a sense, not being the most powerful man in the United States, but the second most powerful man in all of our great great land here. That's essentially what Joseph was given. Uh, When you do some research, you find out that Egyptian historians of that day uh, almost unanimously agree that Joseph was given a position which was back in Egypt called uh, vizier. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly, vizier. Uh, One of those historians by the last name of uh, uh, Breasted says, this. He says the great supervisor advisor of all of Egypt, that Joseph was this, he was the great supervisor of all of Egypt, and that all government activities are under his control. So just listen to what authority was given to him. The treasury, the judiciary, the police, the army, the navy, into agriculture. And he he sums up by saying this, there is no important state activity which does not relate to his authority. And so what we see is that he is given this position called vizier, and he is uh, essentially the ruler in every detail of the land, and Pharaoh is above him. So he is given almost unlimited authority. 
As we continue on in verse 42, we see that not only is he given authority, but there are some symbols of that authority. Notice what Pharaoh does in verse 42. Then Pharaoh took his signet ring from his finger and put it on Joseph's finger. He dressed him in in robes of fine linen and put a gold chain around his neck. And so we see these symbols of authority. I'll, I'll call them three symbols of authority. First, the ring. Second, the robe. And third, I'll call it the bling to use terminology today, the, the ring, the robe, and the bling. So notice, first of all, he's given a ring. This is extremely significant because it was a, a signet ring that was essentially used to stamp invoices. Uh, it was used to, to enact and put uh, laws into place and really to validate anything else happening in the kingdom. So in a sense... Uh, this was kind of like a platinum gold card without any spending limits. And so husbands, imagine uh, you giving your wife something like that, a platinum gold card without any spending limits. Uh, they can do whatever they want, buy whatever they want, make any rules, uh, whatever they want. It may be like that in your household anyways, I don't know. But, uh, but that's essentially what this ring symbolized. So he's given a ring and he's also given a robe. Uh, when you do a little research, you find out that the, uh, the nobility of that day, those who were uh, uh, officials in that day, wore a, a fine, fine linen. And in fact, historians suggest that it was so fine that it was almost a see-through kind of a garment. And so he's given uh, the robe of authority. And then third, he's given the bling. He gets a, a gold a necklace, if you will, a gold chain, and Pharaoh uh, puts it over him as essentially a sign of, of his authority. And what's interesting, what's interesting is that if you look at some of the, the great architecture and some of the great, um, some of the great pictures and drawings uh, and art from ancient Egypt, what you see historically is that this is exactly what happened. There are paintings and artifacts of this kind of thing, of Pharaoh uh, giving uh, people authority, of, of, his, uh, of people wearing this kind of fine linen and having a gold chain in the signet ring. And so, so what we know is that exactly what happened in history is exactly what happened here. He was given almost unlimited authority. But it, it, it not only is, is there, but he's also given something else. He's given almost unlimited authority, but also recognition. Uh, Notice in verses 43 through 44, not only can he do almost anything he wants to do, but he has recognition in all the land. Verse 43 and 44. So he, speaking of Pharaoh, he had him, speaking of Joseph, ride in a chariot as his second in command. And people shouted before him, make way, or quite literally, bow the knee. Thus, he put him in charge of the whole land of Egypt. Verse 44, then Pharaoh said to Joseph, I am Pharaoh, but without your word, no one will lift a hand or a foot in all of Egypt. So notice the recognition that comes here. Not only does he give uh, Joseph this high-ranking position of authority, but he parades him around. Do you see that? He says, now, whenever we go anywhere, I ride in the first chariot, but the second chariot, the the chariot of of the person second in command, you go right behind me. And when everybody sees you, they'll they'll bow down to you. They'll, They'll hail and they'll recognize that authority. They'll recognize you. Swindoll, in his excellent book, which I've quoted before, says this. He says, suddenly Joseph was headline news. Just think about that. There wasn't headline news and 24-hour news cycles back then. But suddenly, Joseph was headline news. Suddenly, he, he held high visibility. 
Everything Joseph said or did would be noticed throughout the land. So not only does he have almost unlimited authority, but everybody knows his name. And then third is riches. Notice what happens in verse 45. Pharaoh seeks to enculturate Joseph into the Egyptian way of life and into the Egyptian culture, and he gives him, uh, well, we'll see, in verses 40, uh, 45, riches uh, by way of marriage. Verse 45. Pharaoh gave Joseph the name uh, Zaphonath Paneah, and we really don't exactly know what that means, and gave him Asenath, daughter of Potipharah, priest of On, to be his wife. And Joseph went throughout the land of Egypt. What I want us to see there is that he married into a very wealthy family. Not only was he given authority, not only was he given recognition, but in a sense, he had this marriage arranged for him, and he was marrying into what was uh, essentially Egyptian nobility. This was Egyptian nobility. He married the daughter of a very important priest of a very important Egyptian deity. Uh, One commentator by the name of Kitchen tells us about this priestly order there and on. He says this, we we know the priests of that order were very wealthy. And so what I want us to see is he's marrying into Egyptian nobility. He's marrying into a very wealthy family as if he didn't have uh, money given the authority he has. He's, he's, he marries essentially into maybe the, the Hilton family. It would be like maybe uh, marrying Paris Hilton or something. You would be marrying into the upper echelons uh, of that society and marrying into uh, quite a bit of money. And so he has authority, He has recognition, he has riches, and then uh, jumping ahead a little bit, God blesses him with family. God blesses him with family. Notice, uh, jumping ahead just a bit to verses 50 and 52. Before the years of famine came, and we'll jump back to see that, before the years of famine came, two sons were born to Joseph by Asenath, daughter of Potiphar, the priest of On. Joseph named his firstborn Manasseh, And said, it is because God has made me forget all of my trouble and all of my father's household. The second son he named Ephraim and said, it is because God has made me fruitful in the land of my suffering. We could comment more here, but essentially the names of his sons are plays on words. And and what he's remembering, he has now this family and he essentially says, Man, I've really had it rough. My time here in Egypt has not been good, but now I have authority, I have recognition, I have riches, and I have these two sons. And and in these blessings, God is making me forget the trouble that I had both with my, my family and the trouble that I had in slavery here in Egypt. And so I want us to see quite simply is God poured out abundant blessings upon Joseph. He gave him authority. He gave him recognition. He gave him riches, and he gave him a family. And so the question that I think remains that we should be asking is how did Joseph use those blessings? Or maybe to put it another way, why did God give Joseph all of those blessings? Why did he do that? Why did he do what he did for Joseph? Was it simply for Joseph's sake? Was it simply for Joseph to enjoy? Was it simply for Joseph to hoard? Was it simply for Joseph to abuse? Well, the answer to that church is simple. No, no. 
God blessed Joseph, certainly for him to enjoy, not for him to abuse. God blessed Joseph so that he could be a blessing to others because he's a part of the family. He's a part of Abraham's family. And God said, I'll bless this family and this family is gonna be a blessing to all people. And we see this coming to fruition as we move from Joseph being blessed to Joseph being a blessing. In a sense, Joseph paid it forward. So let's see now how Joseph took those blessings of God and how he blessed others. Let's jump backwards a little bit to verses 46 through 49. So Joseph is exalted, but we know that 14 years of events are are going to occur. We know that there are going to be seven years of plenty, abundance are going to come, followed by what? Seven years of of famine and and, and scarceness. So how how does Joseph take that authority? How does he take that recognition? How does he take his riches in the family that he now has? How does he respond to those coming events? Well, he's going to be a blessing. So let's first of all look at verses 46 through 49 to see how Joseph is going to be a blessing in the years of plenty. Let's read that together, verses 46 through 49. Joseph was 30 years old when he entered the service of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. So how long has he, just as a sidebar, how long has he now been in Egypt since being sold into slavery? My math says 13 years. So this has been a 13-year journey from being sold into slavery by his uh, brothers to now being exalted to vizier. And Joseph went out from Pharaoh's presence and traveled throughout all of Egypt. So what did he do? We find out during the seven years of abundance, the land produced plentifully. The idea is that literally your hand is full of grain and food plentifully. It's overflowing. Joseph collected all of the food produced in those seven years of abundance in Egypt and stored it in the cities. In each city, he put the the food grown in the fields surrounding it. Joseph stored up huge quantities of grain like the sand of the sea. Notice that, like the sand of the sea. It was so much that he stopped keeping records because it was beyond measure. Apparently, they didn't have Excel spreadsheets back then to to keep up with this stuff, right? They're doing it by hand. And he says, we don't have any more paper. You know, we can't do it anymore. It's so much. The picture is that God poured out a tremendous blessing on the land of Egypt and, in a sense, through Joseph. And so how does Joseph handle that? Well, we see that he does exactly what he said he would do. When he interpreted the dream for Pharaoh, he said, this is what I'm going to do, or somebody should do. Uh, I'm going to store it up so that we have plenty, and when the, the hard years come, we'll have food. And so he's a man of integrity. He does exactly what he says he's going to do. But did you notice there's a, there's a quick reference there, and it's, it's significant. He says that the, the amount of grain was stored up, quote, like the sand of the sea like the sand of the sea. Now, I was at the beach a few weeks ago, and one of the things that my son really enjoyed doing was playing in the sand. He would hide things in the sand, and at one point, he was playing with this Frisbee, and we were just walking, and he said, hey, let's play a game. And we said, okay. He said, let's play Find the Frisbee. I said, okay, where is it? He said, I hid it in the sand. (laughs) And none of us had seen him. And we said, okay. (laughs) And so we were combing around the sand, kind of digging and kicking. You know, Asher, where were you? Well, I think I was over here, you know. So eventually we found it and all was well. And he had tremendous fun in the sand. And, and as we know, when you, if you've been to, to a beach of some sort, if you were to try to count the grains of sand on just one particular beach, you just couldn't do it, right? 
Here, the, the, the language is that just the amount of grain is like the sand of the sea, and it should, think, it should cause us to think back because there was a promise that God had given to Abraham as we move throughout Genesis, and the promise that God gave to Abraham was that his descendants, that is the nation that would come from Abraham's seed, would be as the sand of the sea. And so there's an illusion here. Just like Joseph was, uh, was saving all of this food and all of this grain, like the sand of the sea, well, we know that through him and through his kids and through his family that God would bring this fulfillment about, that God would bring a, a nation as numerous as the sand of the sea, and he was going to do it, quite ironically, through the very act of Joseph storing up grain like the sand of the sea. So we see that Joseph is a blessing in the years of plenty, but he's also a blessing in the years of famine. So let's see how he does that, verses 53 through 57. Notice what he does. The seven years of abundance in Egypt came to an end, and the seven years of famine began, just as Joseph had said. There was famine in all, in all the other lands. Notice that. Not only in Egypt is there a famine, but there's a famine that is widespread, but in the whole land of Egypt, there was food. Well, because Joseph stored it up. When all Egypt began to feel the famine, the people cried to Pharaoh for food. Then Pharaoh told all the Egyptians, go to Joseph and do whatever he tells you. Do whatever he says. When the famine had spread over the whole country, Joseph opened all of the storehouses and sold grain to the Egyptians. For the famine was severe throughout Egypt. And all of, the, all of the world, notice the emphasis here, it's a widespread famine. And all of the world came to Egypt to buy grain from Joseph because the famine was severe everywhere. So notice, Joseph begins to sell grain first to the Egyptians because they say, Pharaoh, we're hungry. And so he says, go to Joseph, do whatever he says. And he starts busting out the food and he's selling food to the Egyptians. But then other people, other nations, other people groups start to come where the food is, right? They recognize there's a need. They're hungry. They need food. So uh, in a sense, the nations start pouring into this one man whom God has blessed tremendously. And he's doling out the food. He's selling the food to make sure that people don't starve. There's a hint here at the next scene because the picture is that everybody is coming to Joseph for food. And the question that should be in the back of our mind, there's still something unresolved. Now he's been exalted. God has exalted him. He's been wrongly sold into slavery and then he was wrongly put into jail, right? And he's, okay, God got him out of that. But what about his family? I mean, what about his brothers who did him wrong, who intended to murder him, and who, his brothers who sold him into slavery? What about his dad who's heartbroken because his beloved son he thinks is dead? What about, what about his family? There's still unresolved issues in Joseph's life. And it's going to come around, not next Sunday because it's Easter, but the Sunday after that, and we'll see how the story plays out. But we see here, everybody's coming to Joseph because he has food. Well, guess who's going to come to Joseph because they're hungry too? His family. And so that's a bit of a preview. And so what I hope we have seen before we begin some life lessons here 